With a master's degree from Southwestern Seminary and a doctorate of ministry from Luther Rice Seminary, Congressman Jody Heiss has served as a pastor for almost 25 years. He also took a turn at broadcasting, hosting the Jody Heiss Show, a conservative talk radio program. Congressman Heiss resides in Greensboro with his wife, Dee Dee. They have two daughters and four grandchildren. The congressman was elected to represent Georgia's 10th district in 2014. Congressman Jody Heiss, I want to thank you for taking the time today to talk to our radio audience here on WRGC 88.3 FM. Daniel, great to be with you. Appreciate you taking time to have me. It is my pleasure. We'll, we'll start off um, our conversation with probably the most important question. Uh, could you tell me, why are you running for re-election? Well, listen, uh, we're, we're in the fight of our life for this country, I believe. we uh, I mean, multiple fronts, uh, as you look at it, from the economy to our military to uh, regulations and businesses. And uh, just across the board, there are so many issues of grave importance and concern. And this is an opportunity that we have to stand for the values, the conservative values that the 10th District believes in. And I'm deeply honored that they've entrusted that role with me for the last two terms and hopeful that they will entrust that with me again. Now, as I've talked to some of the other candidates who are running for the Republican nomination, I've asked them to critique your tenure in Congress. Uh, but I'd like to turn that around now and ask you if you would highlight some of the accomplishments from your tenure in the U.S. House of Representatives that you feel best make the case for your reelection bid. Oh, goodness. Well, there's uh, a lot, Daniel, that uh, we can certainly talk about. I certainly would stand my voting record up uh, to anyone. I'm proud of it. We have stood for the conservative values that we ran on. Uh, we have been consistent with that and certainly uh, recognized as the most conservative representative from Georgia uh, from multiple different uh, perspectives. And pretty much every scoring card that I'm aware of that there is out there shows that we are uh, the, the most conservative in the, in the state, and we've stood for those principles. But personally, you know, it's extremely difficult to have any laws passed. I know some of my predecessors, predecessors never were able to achieve that. In fact, probably most members of Congress never do. It's pretty remarkable that just in a term and a half, I've already had two personal bills that have become law. I just... Uh, Two weeks ago, had another bill that passed the House and is now working its way through the Senate. And we had a, an enormous bill uh, that was uh, added to the tax bill, uh, the, the Johnson Amendment, the repeal of the Johnson Amendment. At the very last second, that was taken out by the Senate parliamentarian. But, uh, you know, it's it's been a, a pretty remarkable front on that perspective, just to be able to, to see some uh, laws passed. But far beyond that of greater importance, I believe, is just being a part of moving forward the agenda of the president to secure our borders, to strengthen our military, to boost the economy, um, and, and a host of these types of things, repealing Obamacare, working with our uh, um, the, the whole health care issue, dealing with immigration, a host of things that we've been involved in. And I'm honored that I'm currently on three different committees the House Armed Services Committee, which is uh, one of the most important committees, frankly, in the world, uh, oversees our, our military, makes sure that they have the tools and the equipment and the training they need to do the job that we call upon them to do. And I'm honored to be on that committee. I'm also on the Government Oversight and Reform Committee, which deals with 
Um, our jurisdiction there is wherever there's fraud and waste and abuse in our government. That comes under the jurisdiction of OGR, as we call it. And then I'm also on Natural Resources Committee, which, of course, is a huge deal in the 10th District as well. So, you know, it's great to be a part of a, a team that's moving the ball forward, and I think I've been able to contribute significantly in that regard. Earlier in that response, you mentioned uh, two legislative accomplishments, one bill that was passed through um, and then another um, amendment to a bill that was stripped out at the last uh, moment. I was wondering if you might um, uh, just talk a little bit more about those, uh, identify the subject area, and uh, even with the one that didn't make it through, just uh, tell us a little bit more about what that was about. Yeah, actually, I've had two that have become law. One of them specifically uh, addresses our veterans. As veterans come back and trying to transition into civilian life, one thing that came to the attention of our office is we had several uh, veterans begin to inform us that their GI bills, as many of them go to to college, to universities, and there are unfortunately many uh, different institutions that prey on our veterans uh, for their GI bills. And so we found many times veterans were going to schools that ultimately were not accredited or their credit hours would not transfer to other universities. And that became a serious concern. So our bill that became law basically said that a veteran can still go to any institution they want to, but the institution must inform the veteran beforehand whether or not it is an accredited institution and whether or not those credits will transfer if the veteran chooses to do so. And uh, so that's just been a – it still allows veterans to go wherever they want to, but they have information up front. Another bill that passed and became law uh, deals with duplicative-type um, uh, regulations and agencies and laws that, uh, that, that are, uh, have just been – have cost taxpayers millions and millions of dollars. So we were able to eliminate a lot of duplicative-type programs that are out there uh, and save taxpayers millions of dollars. A bill that was just passed the House two weeks ago deals with aviation safety, and I believe it's going to pass the Senate and become law. It deals with our um, uh, air marshals. Right now, air marshals are just kind of a lottery system placed on planes, and there's no real structure to it. And so we put forward a bill that says uh, that air marshals need to be on planes based upon risk what domestic and international flights are most uh, potentially at risk, and air marshals need to be uh, placed in uh, on that kind of assessment rather than a lottery system. And I believe that's going to become law as well. Now, how do you define character? Well, I mean, there's uh, – listen, I, as you uh, stated earlier – you know, I'm a, a, a Christian unashamedly, and, you know, I believe it comes down to your yes is yes, your no is no. You're an honest individual. People don't have to guess what you believe and who you are, uh, and you're saying the same uh, here in one place as you are in Congress uh, and the same as you are at home or at Walmart or wherever you may be. And, uh, you know, I ran on uh, the things that I would stand for, and I've been honest in achieving those things. And there's been many times, in fact, that I've not voted for a bill because to do so would violate a promise that I made to the constituents of the 10th district. And so, you know, integrity ultimately comes down to honesty. 
Now, can you describe your philosophy for representing the roughly 740,000 people of Georgia's 10th Congressional District? Well, sure. Like I just said, it comes down to honesty for one thing and, uh, and doing what you say you're going to do. But then, it, obviously, the Constitution is a part of it. The Constitution says that there are 18 areas that Congress has jurisdiction over. Everything else is to be left to the state to the uh, people. And unfortunately, our federal government has grown into a monster of mammoth size that goes far beyond its constitutional jurisdiction. And so, you know, I, I believe we need limited government, and I, I'm I'm fighting in that behalf. And I believe that's an important thing. You know, to me, it's not an issue of wanting Republican government or Democrat government. Uh, to me, we need limited government based upon what the Constitution says it ought to be. And, uh, you know, those those things are uh, the philosophy that uh, drive me forward, my Judeo-Christian worldview, the Constitution. And, um, you know, ultimately, there's a few questions I ask. Is it the right thing? Is it constitutional? Is it something that we can afford? And is it something that we need? And those are the types of questions I ask myself when looking at legislation. And the answers to those questions uh, guide me as to how I'm going to vote. What is your vision for Georgia's 10th district in the next 10 years, and how are you working to set that plan in motion uh, during your time in Congress? You know, we are blessed to be in not only, in my opinion, the greatest district in the country, but also the greatest state in America. We have here in Georgia for the last five consecutive years been recognized as the number one state in America in which to do business. And right in that, uh, the 10th district is a huge part of that. We have seen enormous growth in business opportunities in the 10th district. Uh, we have even ourselves put forth uh, job fairs where we have literally had thousands of people attend and help connect businesses to local talent. And we've been able to connect hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people uh, to different types of jobs. And we've got a lot of jobs coming to the 10th district across the board. And so, you know, my goal is to continue that trend. Uh, we are extremely involved in cities and counties and municipalities all across the 10th district, uh, both in helping, helping them find grants in some of our more rural areas uh, so that they can continue and expand and uh, experience economic development that they're trying to achieve. Uh, and uh, so that, that's a focus that we've continued along the way in trying to work with our various counties and municipalities and cities to help them accomplish uh, the things that are important to them. Can you describe the health care system that you'd like to see in America? Yeah, you know, the health care system um, uh, certainly is not designed to be run by the federal government. Uh, if you want to see what a federal government health care looks like, you need to look no further than the VA. And there is no uh, area that we hear more complaints about, uh, nor is there any group of people that we help more than our veterans and the, the great difficulty that they have with the VA. Unfortunately, that is government-run health care. And our federal government, again, is a constitutional issue, but beyond that, a practical issue. Our government is not set up to run health care. That is something best left to the private sector where you have experts in the medical field 
who are leading the charge and working with uh, individuals who have uh, health needs. And so, you know, I think we certainly are living in a time where costs have skyrocketed. Obamacare has been a dismal failure, uh, both to businesses as well as individuals. We hear it on a weekly basis, people paying uh, upwards of $1,800 a month uh, more than their mortgages, and and still their deductibles are in the thousands and thousands of dollars. Our rural hospitals are suffering for it as well. Uh, you know, so we've got to get our uh, handle on the health care system. We passed a decent bill in the House. Unfortunately, the Senate was not able to do so. I do believe we're going to be able to come back and address that yet again. But the bottom line is uh, the cost of health care and the, um, the, the affordability of health care, both have to be addressed. And uh, this is something that um, people with, with uh, underlying problems uh, need to be helped. And so, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that we're going to be able to circle again and accomplish those things and, and uh, let the private sector do what it does best uh, through competition and through uh, experts who are offering to people what they need rather than government forcing people by law to uh, get things that they frankly don't want and don't need. And I'm wondering if we could go a a little bit further under the hood on that one. I mean, what can government or or the legislative body uh, do to help bring those health care costs down? Uh, There's a lot of, uh, I think, sloganeering out there about, uh, you know, repeal Obamacare or whatnot. But but what are those mechanisms underneath the the hood that can actually um, put, I guess, the, you know, the market back in place uh, to be working to drive down the cost of health care? Well, there's, there's two sides to the coin. One is the cost of health care. The other is the affordability of health of care and health insurance. Uh, what Obamacare deals with and what we were trying to uh, uh, likewise counter and, and fix is the cost of, health, uh, of uh, insurance. The, the uh, actual cost of health care. Uh, is a different issue that so far has not been addressed, but it's got to be. That would include cost of pharmaceuticals as well as the cost of procedures, if you're having a surgery or whatever it may be. That is the actual cost of health care itself. What we have addressed at this point and tried to deal with is the ability of the insurance side of things so that people can, can have coverage. And there are multiple factors that can be addressed there, everything from being able to purchase uh, across state lines to individuals being able to pool together whatever their industry or work or whatever it may be where they can pull together to have larger numbers. Uh, that obviously helps drive down the cost uh, and, and makes more affordable uh, the the uh, insurance side of things. Um, and, and then allowing competition. Uh, people don't need the government demanding and requiring them and penalizing them if they don't participate in buying a one-size-fits-all type insurance policy. And insurance companies, will the, the market will drive itself based upon the needs of individuals and pools of people and being able to purchase across state lines. These types of things are, 
are absolutely essential. We did succeed in getting rid of the individual mandate, which is a big step in the right direction. Uh, And so we've been able to chip away with uh, certain things that are going to help. uh, But ultimately, we obviously have to go much, much further, and we need the Senate uh, to step up and help to accomplish that. How do we begin to heal the the divisiveness that defines this time in American politics in really in American society? It was a great question, and it's one that ultimately we're going to have to face in this uh, this country. Uh, and and you're exactly right. We all see the divisiveness that's out there, the the uh, just incredibly even vile sometimes rhetoric that is hurled out there in social media certainly is not a help in in any way. Social media has become anything but social. It's become, uh, in many instances, places where people just to say horrible things, and there's no necessarily, uh, not necessarily any truth, or, uh, let alone accountability there. But, you know, at the end of the day, Daniel, I, I firmly believe that uh, we have a moral and a spiritual problem in this country that at some point we're going to have to address. It's not uh, issues that can all be fixed from Washington. And I think we uh, lead ourselves astray when we go down a path of thinking that Washington can fix all of our problems. Uh, It's not designed to fix all our problems. Our founders gave us a, a, a country and a constitution that was founded upon, as George Washington said in his farewell address, the two indispensable indispensable pillars of religion and morality. The only way that we can have limited government is when we have people who are able to self-govern their own lives. And that uh, ultimately, in my firm belief, comes from a strong uh, religious foundation. And therein, when people are able to self-govern their own lives with an authentic understanding of right and wrong, And with an authentic understanding of mutual respect for other people and other views, then and only then are we able to have limited state government. And and that's the that's what we were founded upon with those basic principles. And so at some point, I firmly believe we're going to have to address not just political issues, but moral and spiritual issues and and cease the hostility that is increasing these days towards uh, religious faith and people of faith, and instead embrace that and encourage it. It is a vital part of our overall society. Now, we're coming to the close of our time together today. Um, I've got just a few more questions. Um, we'll start off with, why should members of our radio audience vote for you? Well, if uh, they support uh, the things that I ran on, they su- support conservative values, uh, a Judeo-Christian worldview of honesty and integrity, and uh, fighting for the uh, the agenda, uh, even issues that the president ran on, uh, securing our borders and building our militaries and uh, uh, cutting taxes, which was a huge lift, getting that done, putting more money in the pockets of individuals and businesses. Uh, cutting regulations. You know, we passed a law that for every one new regulation, two have to be done away. Uh, We're actually on pace for every one new regulation, 22 are being eliminated right now. Uh, And and the markets are reflecting it. We're seeing uh, everything from the real estate market to constructions to uh, mom and pop shops of every kind that are 
experiencing positive growth, and I, I believe we're moving in the right direction. Our military is turning around, being strengthened, and I, I'm right in the middle of all of this. And, um, you know, we are part of uh, key committees, and uh, we're doing what we said we'd do, and I hope the people of the 10th District will entrust that responsibility to continue uh, what we said we would do and what we're actually doing. I've asked you a lot of questions, and we've covered a lot of topics, uh, but is there anything I have not asked you about, or is there anything that we have discussed and you'd like to go back and place a greater emphasis on? Well, you know, everything, uh, Daniel, I think you've asked some great questions, and again, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak to you and your listeners. Uh, you know, a lot of people know me as uh, also being a part of the Freedom Caucus, which is an extremely uh, important uh, caucus in Washington, D.C., again, comprised of the most in, uh, most conservative members. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Freedom Caucus often gets a, a bad rap, a negative rap, but the, the purpose why we exist is to be a voice for millions of Americans who believe they've lost their voice in Washington. And I'm honored not only to be on the Freedom Caucus, but to be on the board of that caucus. It is um, an incredible group of, of individuals who are not there for political purposes, but to stand for the voice of uh, millions of Americans and to do the things that we said that we would do. And I'm honored that, uh, not only to be a part of that group, but pretty much everything that uh, takes place in Washington from our party's perspective goes further to the right because of the, the presence and the influence of the Freedom Caucus, and I'm honored to be a part of that and to support the president and his agenda and to have his support on that Freedom Caucus is incredibly important as well. Now, how can our radio audience get in contact with your campaign to learn more, uh, to volunteer, or just to otherwise engage in your reelection? JodyHeist.com is our website for the campaign, the best place for people to go uh, to find out all the above of what you just mentioned, uh, to get involved from grassroots, from multiple perspectives of grassroots, to getting signs, to uh, just a host of things as JodyHeiss.com. Well, Congressman Jody Heiss, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to our radio audience today on WRGC 88.3 FM. It's my pleasure, Daniel. God bless you. Thanks again for having me. Thank you.